Hello, and welcome to episode one of Community Topics. I will be playing the part of Andrew today. And I don't know what I am. I go by the name of Ray. That's about enough for now. Um, the rest is all concept and speculation, really. I'm very excited about this episode. I want to say that to begin with, because in the past two seasons, we had some Q&A episodes, two of them specifically. If anybody hasn't heard those episodes, I definitely recommend them. But we always try to address the questions and insights of our audience, especially on Discord and our Patreon or in the comment section of our video, but we don't get to do it very often. And so we've decided to introduce this new community topics episode every week or as often as we can, where we address one or two questions from the community. And specifically, there is a vote every week on our Discord server and on our Patreon page, where you can vote for the topic that we're going to discuss during these episodes. So it's a good chance for you to participate and you can also submit topics for voting if you do so before the weekend. So I definitely recommend you jump on there if you're interested in having us kind of spin around an idea that you had in your head or if you'd like to ask us a question and have us work through it with you. So without rambling any further, I'd just like to get to the first two topics. We're going to start with the hors d'oeuvre and move on to the main course because I've been thinking about this one all day. I'm very excited about this one. So the first one is... Egos and alter egos. And I'm going to read this one because it's specifically from one of our longest community members and a moderator of our Discord. Uh, Brad, Brad, we really appreciate you submitting this for the vote and we're glad that it won as, as the top topic. Um, it might be interesting to hear you guys talk about self-image and alter egos. Naturally, we're all one and all that, but we clearly have this character to play. We can choose to play the character we inherited or we can massively pivot to follow another path, an alter ego if you will. Not in the same way as like dissociative disorder, but an ego that maybe is a reframing of yourself to a different personality. And I know that we've talked about this previously in terms of being kind of a social chameleon in that when you are on your own, you're typically one way when you're around other people, depending on the environment, depending on their expectations, depending on the general vibe of, of the place. As we said uh, previously in one of our group chats, you don't joke around at a funeral more often than not, because that's just not you know, a receptive environment for that particular uh, mentality or personality, let's just say. So are we losing ourselves every time we adapt to a new situation? Are we trying to people please? Is that why we pivot to a person that might be more palatable to the environment that we're in? Is that a danger? Or is that something that's more or less natural as a result of being a fluid part of what is without any separation whatsoever? So I'm very curious to get your thoughts on this, Andrew. We'll start there. Yeah, I've been thinking about this, obviously, a lot, knowing that this was coming up in this episode. But yeah, I think with the idea of even having an ego versus an alter ego, it's it's got to be coming from a space of a defined ego and like you have to define something in order to have an opposite to it so as you let go of the definition of what you actually are there's less like i'm usually this and now i'm this and it's more just there's like a billion there's like infinite different egos potentially you could play and it's almost like yeah if you if you looked at every different situation you could probably see like this is what you typically maybe act like and then sometimes you act like this whether it's from external influences like i don't know drugs for example acting a in a different way when you let go that idea of yourself but i know just 
to get into it, like off the bat with a, an example for me when I was in college and even before towards the end of high school, like dealing with social anxiety and, and fear of what people think of me all the time. Like when I would go out, I was significantly more social. And I was like, to the point that it, it was like, people found it almost not strange, but it was just such a different way that I existed because that was me with less inhibitions and, and not as concerned with how I was going to be perceived by everyone. And it was just me with less of that. Obviously alcohol has, has certain ways of, of, influencing you that's different from something for example like mushrooms but i literally was was called like randy when i would go out like in college everyone called me andy that was like what everyone called me which i wasn't crazy about i i never really enjoyed call, being called andy but then it was like when i would go out it was randy so that was like literally sort of an alter ego because it was so different from my typical typically more reserved personality where i was more uh just I don't know, kind of rigid and structured and, you know, followed the rules and all that sort of stuff. And so as I've let go more and more of that idea of myself and my, my concern with other people, it's almost like I've become closer to like the Randy minus all the dumb shit that I used to do when I was in that state of like drinking. And it's because I've let go more and more of that defined idea of myself that everyone thought that I was and everyone else was sort of defining, but it stemmed from within me. Like I was defining myself as that. And as I've let go of the belief that I am that it's like now it, it can be anything, but it, it, so I guess it, it comes from having a defined idea of yourself to begin with. Even the concept of an ego versus an alter ego has to come from a defined place. Oh, that's good because you're neither Andy or Randy, or Andrew, or any other variation of it, right? It's just that we tend to, to label them because they're so different. You know, kind of a funny story, actually, in, in terms of uh, the references to Carl that I occasionally make is, is a story that's almost similar to that. There was a period in my life, oddly enough, it was a period where I had the most parties, but it was also the period where I was the most depressed when I wasn't at a party. But at one point, under the influence, I'd be walking down the street with a bunch of my fellow party goers and I had found this antenna ball and it was a gesture. It had a gesture's hat, and some sunglasses on it. And so on a whim, I stole the tennis ball, stole the antenna ball and stuck it on a pencil and put it in my pocket and decided to name it Carl. And Carl was the mascot for our parties. And so I would have these massive parties where people didn't know me, which was kind of the point. I could be free of, of who I thought I was and who I thought other people thought I was among strangers. And I was living my best self in those moments because I wasn't carrying anything with me. And the people who didn't know me would come up and go, you know, well, who's that guy's name? And people would start, well, that's Carl. And so that started passing around that my name, my party persona was Carl. And so people would run into me, it's Carl. And, and other friends of me who weren't part of that life would go, why do people keep calling you Carl? And it's because, you know, I, I, I was feeding that persona. And I didn't understand why at the time, but it's because it was free. It felt lighter. Right. And then again, the realization later that I'm not Carl, unfortunately, didn't set me free. What it hit me with was, well, if I'm not Carl and I'm not Ray and none of that is making me happy, then there's no hope left. Identity is not going to work. Life is meaningless. And that was where I hit that, that suicidal dark spot. 
there was nothing left to chase. And so there was almost no point to living because my entire life had been, you know, become something. That's what I've been taught my whole life, become something. And so it really makes sense in social environments where when we do switch gears, naturally, as a result of empathy and sensitivity, I would say sometimes, that that is not a change of who you are. It's just a change of how you're being embodied or a change in how you're being expressed. It's not a change in who you are ever, right? It's just that we have an idea of who we are. And then when we're not that, well, obviously I'm being someone else, which is kind of funny, right? Because we're, we're never, ever the thing that we think we are. I had this argument, well, not this argument, but I had this conversation today on a video on TikTok. It was uh, another one of those uh, individuals who likes non-dual, uh, non-duality philosophy, the radical non-dual message. And they were asking like, why do you keep reinforcing the illusion that there's a me that can choose or that there's a me that can let go of my beliefs? It's like, because there is. Beware the urge to defend a philosophy and ignore the experience that you're having, right? Like you're leaving a comment to say, I'm not leaving this comment while you are clearly writing the comment. That's a bit of cognitive dissonance. That's a very difficult thing to wrap your head around and because it doesn't make any sense. Yes, you are what you are. No, that's not what you think. It's pretty much the end all and be all of it. Just be. Which is why I like what Andrew was saying in the recent episode that we had with Nick about being human in general, because that in itself is also an idea. So I'm going to lead into the main course here in a second, unless you'd like to add anything onto this, Andrew. I think I was just, I had like two points written down from what you were talking about. And, and the first one being that everyone wants to, is constantly trying to define everyone. So that's where the idea of ego and alter ego even comes in is from defining someone as one thing. And then it's like, all of a sudden they're acting differently than that definition that you have of them. And so that's alter ego. And for the, you know, radical non-dual motherfuckers out there, it's like, they're defining themselves as nothing. They're still defining themselves as this thing that is separate from everything else. They're not seeing the non-duality because they see themselves in a specific way. Like, they see themselves as this thing that is nothing, everythinging, but they don't see everything else as nothing, everythinging. They still have this defined concept of that idea of themselves that they need to define because everyone needs to define everything. And it's like, no, you can utilize that as a tool without taking it to be the truth. And that's all that it ever comes down to. And the other side of it was how much environment plays in the definition of oneself. Like I'm pretty close to my family. I posted a message in discord, uh, this morning about some experiences I've had with them going back and forth, like some turbulence we've experienced. And especially with me, like being open to rocking boats and like shitting on, not shitting. I don't want to say shitting on religion, but like just questioning it to a very strong degree and, and shitting on it a little bit and, and talking about drugs. And it's like, I was, you know, this way they that they defined me as like you know rule follower like sort of never did anything wrong growing up like was always on this path of like this way of being going to a good school like getting a good job all this stuff and it's like i was still experiencing suffering though and so many people are still experiencing suffering despite doing everything quote unquote correct so begs the question is that you know, the correct way of being if everyone's fucking suffering and still like 
killing themselves and being depressed and being anxious. It's like, are we really doing things the right way? Like, or could we be doing things a little bit differently? So yeah, environment just plays a massive role as well, because I, I find that I sometimes get back into old patterns that I had been in when I'm in an environment that, you know, I've like around my family or old friends or whatever it may be like that does play an impact, but being able, I think you can build even more faith in yourself through being in those old environments and, you know, looking it in the face and like spitting in its face kind of and being like, this doesn't have to take me back to this place. And you can build so like even more of a stronger sense of faith in yourself when you can be in those environments and still be this undefined being and do all the things that you're always capable of doing in a new environment where it seems easier because you don't have all this old baggage along with it. So as you go into those old environments, it's like use it as an opportunity to prove how much faith you have in yourself that you've built up through all the experience you've had. So those are just a couple more things I wanted to toss in there for uh, that topic. That's perfect. And an excellent pivot to the main course because the next topic is karma. What is karma, role of karma, how we're impacted by karma, whatever that might be. So I'm curious because I've spent a lot of time thinking about this over the years. It's a juicy, juicy steak to chew on. And I'm very excited that this is in our first community topics episode. What is your take on karma? What has been your exposure to the concept of karma? What is it that you understand about the concept so far? All right. So I want to, I want to go through a couple different things that I've been through and sort of shed in the last, I don't know, year, year and a half. And I think before I sort of woke up about a year ago, I got caught up in the Dolores Cannon side of things. And so I started to see like, oh, there's this past life karma. And, you know, I would even sit like I was so caught up in it. It, it was very short lived, but, you know, people would say things like comment things like, oh, well, why are their kids who suffer. And it's like the response in the, for the Dolores Cannon sort of student is, oh, they did something in a past life. And now they're experiencing the karma for that. And looking back, I'm like, God damn, it's so fucked. But I was caught up in that. And I was like, I don't know, like, that seems like as good a reason as anything. Like, it kind of makes sense with all that. So like, I went through and saw karma in that sort of life light of like a past life regression. And then when I started to see that all of that was sort of more or less bullshit, I was like, oh, karma's all bullshit. And like karma's total bullshit. And I went to the other extreme is like, you know, screw all that. Like this is like karma isn't actually a thing. And now my take on it is seeing that everything is completely and utterly connected. Like there is no division whatsoever. It's like the impacts you make and the ripples you make echo in eternity and they're always being added to the pond and like you're sort of like receiving back what you put out in a sense so karma is is felt and like inflicted based on what you're giving off to a degree and like the ripples that you make sort of come back in a sense but at the same time like you don't know what the impacts of that are going to be. So it's like, I don't even know how I would define karma now. So I'd love to hear what Ray's thoughts are, but like, there's something there, but it's not like 
it doesn't exist whatsoever, but it's also not that like crazy Dolores Cannon shit. So like, long story short, I don't necessarily have a great definition of what it actually is anymore. I just know things that it isn't, I guess. That is awesome. So it's a lot like uh, most of the concepts that we talk about, like manifestation or reincarnation, all that stuff. It's like, there's an ounce of truth, but it gets distorted by our perception of individuality, by our perception of division and our perception of time, right? So I'm not going to try and pronounce the actual Hindu words because I know I will just, I, I will do it a disservice, but I will describe the concept of karma as I have come to learn it over time because there are three parts to karma in the Hindu philosophy, let's just say. Um, and I always relate them to uh, Charles Dickens' Christmas Carol because the three ghosts are basically the three types of karma, the past, the present, and the future, right? The first type of karma being what happened before and its impact on now. Second type of karma being what we're doing now, the process of, of the before becoming the future, the, the process of the now is the second type of, of karma. And then the third is the impact that we have on the future, right? But karma as much as it, it's been simplified and, and kind of bastardized over time to be negative and positive karma, good karma and bad karma was never really meant to be that. That's just an oversimplification. Again, like if you go out and, and you kick someone in the shin, that's not necessarily bad karma, right? Because you're making an assumption there. And that's again, dependent on your idea of control and your preferences and all of that stuff. And so that's all the, that division identity part. That's where it gets distorted, right? There is only karma. There is not good or bad karma. There is only the process of process, which is basically what karma is all about. Now, what I find kind of interesting about that is that it really hinges on the concept of time, right? Like you were talking about how kids are, are born with cancer or how the world is where, where it is right now, let's just say. Well, that's because of our karma, our collective choices in the, in the here and now that have led to this iteration of the process, right? That's our karma. It's not a good or a bad thing. This is just where we are in the process. And our future karma is whatever we are embodying now that reflects forward. Now, where the concept of karma starts to lose me is in the role of God among all of this. Because, of course, in the Hindu religion, karma is set by the Supreme. Your journey is already decided by the Supreme. And that's where it starts to fall apart for me because we quite obviously. So I just wanted to take a quick moment here to announce that we have our California mini retreat coming up on April 11th to April 15th. And it's going to be a blast. There's no agenda. There's no thing that you got to try to be or become. Just time to express yourself, time to be yourself, time to find out. What is it to be myself? Can I really just do that? Can I really just let go? Can I really just show up without any preparation whatsoever to every situation that I get into with a bunch of people doing the same and a bunch of games to play as you do it? We're going to play some pool. We're going to go for a walk. We're going to shoot the breeze. We're going to hang out. It's the dopest sleepover that you could possibly go to. And you can join us and save $150 by using code BIGBEAR150 at dualisticunity.com. Just go to the California mini retreat details. You'll find it in the navigation bar. Enter the coupon code, and you can use this coupon code in addition to your already existing Patreon discount.
Very much looking forward to seeing you there. We have a choice. Now, whether that choice is influenced by our past karma, right? Like all the, the choices you made throughout your whole life have led you to this point of recognition, realization, freedom, let's just say. Okay, well, that's it. Now you're free. Are you still bound by the, the tendencies dictated by your past karma in the same way as are you still bound by the tendencies dictated by your astrology once you recognize that none of the signs are the, the entirety of you, once you're all of them, right? So that's kind of the process of karma or the concept of karma is that everything is in process, that the past and the present lead to the future, but it's always now and that our, our awareness is kind of jumping from life to life. This is where the reincarnation thing comes in, is that the, the karma from your previous lives is spilling over into this life, but that's that division distortion again, right? You were only one life previously instead of all life previously, right? So we think of it as individual karma in the same, thing, in the same way we think of everything else in, egotistically, individually, but we're the whole. So the entirety of karma, is our karma thoughts yes um so it's almost like it seems and this is awesome to talk about because this is something i have questions about because i haven't really thought much about karma so is it almost like because when you recognize the illusion is that there's anything that's yours quite frankly that there is anything that's separate that you have that is separate from anything so especially something like karma so is it almost like all of the, if we think about it in the sense, and I'm hesitant to do this, of like past, present, future, of like the collective past karma has influence over us collectively and individually now because we are the collective and the individual. And then the individual choices that we make now impact the collective now and in the quote unquote future. So it's like, it's always hinges on this moment. And just because everything leading up to in all of existence, this moment led to this moment doesn't mean that it has to have impact on everything moving beyond this moment once you see it for what it is. But as long as you're caught up in the division, in the distortion, in the confusion, you think it will that the past will dictate the future. But once you recognize that there is no division and everything is always happening now and the present actually dictates the past, like a boat dictates its wake, as Alan Watts has so eloquently put it, like you don't have to get so caught up in thinking that the past is going to lead to or, or dictate the future. And then you can actually make change in the now, because that's the only place you ever can. And it's the only place we ever have. And it's the only place we ever will make change because it's the only thing we ever are is right now, some semblance of reality here and now. So it's like, it, it's impossible for anything else to possibly be when you see that all of the other ideas, the past and the future are simply illusions. Like we never are that we've never experienced that. So yeah, I guess I, I see it as as like the, the collective has led to the impact, like it has impact on our reality now to a degree, but then it doesn't have to impact the future as we let go of the belief that it has impacted us individually 
because we've let go of the idea of being an individual, sort of. Nice, nice. And what do you think the impact of constantly maintaining a focus on, on uh, previous culture and tradition and belief and the, uh, the chain of, of, of growth of, of your belief structure as a whole? Like, what do you think focusing on a consistent history does for the possibility of our future? history will inevitably repeat itself, right? It's like stagnation. Like, I think we were talking about that in yesterday's episode. As long as we rely on what's always been, then we'll keep getting what's always been. As long as we rely on the historical aspect. And even, you know, Jonathan Livingston Siegel, I recently finished that book. I I don't want to like give parts away to people who haven't checked it out. So yeah, but basically towards the end, it gets into, it kind of compares to you know, religion these days and how people completely miss the point of everything, for example, in Christianity that Jesus was saying, and now we just worship him. And it's like, that was never what he was trying to get across. And we've gotten so superficial and so afraid that we disempower ourselves through believing that, oh, he's this supreme being that we could never get to his understanding or recognition, or I have to look to this master or this enlightened being. And like, they have the answers. And it's like, what the fuck about you? Like, what about you? That's so disempowering to think that you can't recognize the same things. Cause you're just this little me. It's like, you're fucking eternity, man. Like you are eternal intelligence, the eternal intelligence of reality. Like that's the truth of what you are. So to think that you can't come to the same recognitions as anything or anyone that's ever been and build upon them, like see what they've learned, take it, be like, all right, cool. Let's continue on with this. Instead of just looking back and being like, that's it. There's all the answers. We don't have to do everything. I'm going to, you know, just work for another couple, 20, 30 years, die and hope I go to heaven. (laughs) It's like, God, what a shallow fucking existence yeah well that's what happens with stagnation right but i so so we look back at our history this is where it's going to get weird for anybody who's listening um so we were talking to nick in this week's episode and we were talking about how our reality always reflects our own self-perception all right now we experience that individually but that's also true collectively so we are aren't ever what we think. So what are we? And when you break it down enough, we're kind of a floating point of awareness between the perception of the past and the perception of the future. And the experience of the past and the future and the present that we have is reflective of our perception of ourselves, whether uh, to greater or lesser degrees of individuality. So this is what's interesting to me is that when I change who I am, I see a different past because I've changed my perception of myself and everything I got from that past. But I'm still thinking about myself as myself, as race, which is why I'm still dictated to that past. I'm still looking at that history of my journey, as it were. And as long as I do that, I'm always thinking about Ray in that way because he's a product of the journey. But as soon as I recognize there is no journey, Time ends. I'm only here. I'm no longer the product of that narrative. I'm no longer 
affected and influenced by the entire chain of events that can that, that came up to that point to some degree i am like the language i'm speaking the mannerisms i have and so on and so forth because those are habitual but i'm maintaining those those habits from moment to moment i can break them should i just expand my awareness so that i'm, I'm aware of them happening right so all that said i have a question and this is something i've been thinking about particularly in regards to our recent conversation on Patreon about the Mandela effect. Is our history written in stone? Like, would we know if history was a floating point? If we were just an awareness that was fluctuating between perceptions of ourself and the past and the future, if, the, if our history, if, if history was suddenly to change, would we know? Or would our memories as the floating point or the product of that journey that we perceive just take that in as part of what we know? Like, was World War II, did World War II always happen? Right? Or are we just in a state of mind now where it happened and we remember it always happening because we're embodying that state of mind? Is history written in stone? Or does our, I don't want to say uh, awareness have an impact on it, does our state of awareness change our experience of it, of how set in stone it is? Like our collective agreement that our history involves Jesus Christ, for example, is that set in stone or is that just because collectively or individually, however you'd like to perceive yourself and your role in all this, that's the reflection of your perception of yourself. That because you see yourself as only human, there has to be some story of a human becoming divine because of your perception of yourself. Would it be there if you suddenly let that go? Would your entire history cease to be, or would it change fluidly to be something else that would match your, your state of awareness? I've just been toying with this one. Damn, there's there's a lot there. And for anyone who's, this is the first episode of Dual Security you've ever checked out, I urge you to go back season one, episode one, start from there. We always recommend people watch it chronologically or listen to it chronologically, but yeah, when you started saying that, I immediately thought of the sort of recognition that I had that woke me up was I was able to imagine for a second that I didn't have a past and it was like incredibly freeing. All of a sudden I was free from all of the identity-based suffering that I was going through because it was all rooted in the idea of myself, which is all rooted in the past. So as a collective could it be looked at in the same way that I was? So for example, just like taking my experience, like I was suffering through all different sorts of intrusive thoughts, whatever, all having to do with the idea of myself, which is all rooted in the past. Like the idea of Andrew is just a collection of shit that happened in the past. But when I saw that I'm not that I'm just something here and now, and I was still caught up in like, sort of like an awareness of this human, but really it's just awareness. I was free all of a sudden. So could it be the same for our collective mentality? Like, you know, a people, a, a group of people who have gone through severe cultural or environmental suffering, like they bring that in with them to everything they experience. And it's not to say that it isn't valid or, or that they shouldn't do it, but could they truly be free when they let go? Of that. And so, as an entire society, as we let go of the events that we cling to that sort of like define us now, like P 
people talk about, for example, like I have a bunch of friends who are Jewish and a lot of them talk about the Holocaust and they have grandparents who have gone through it. And it's like an extremely traumatic event for that community. And they bring it with them. And it's sort of a way that they define themselves. And I'm not saying that it's wrong to do, but could it be that they won't truly be free until they let go of that as a way of defining themselves as something separate, as something that is against other things because they've been through this and those other things haven't. And that inherently creates this division. Like my friends, one of my best friends who is Jewish and has a very strong Jewish identity is not very religious, but he, that's a way that he defines himself. I feel like it's so much more difficult. He always argues with me about these things that I talk about. And I feel like because of things like that, because there's like a cultural sort of past trauma that's used to ident- to that he identifies with and defines himself, it's almost more layers because there's a cultural component. Whereas for myself, it was all like personal stuff that I was able to let go. So there was less weight, but it, it makes you wonder, like as a collective, when it comes coming back to what Ray was talking about, like, do we almost create the past as we go? And is it like, is it a rep- almost like a, I don't even know how to word it, like a, a requirement for how we define our ourselves as a society. It's a, it's a collective sort of embodiment of present day that is dictated based on the past because we keep holding on to it as defining us and all these things like, you know, nationalism and countries that have been through certain things and fought with each other for so many years. That's all shit that's happened in the past, but we bring it into this moment and it creates so much more suffering. So yeah, I don't, uh, that's definitely not any sort of answer, but uh, you know, like we say, there's the the continued process of questioning and the conversation is significantly more important than the answer. So yeah, I'll throw it back to you, Ray. That was awesome. Yeah, no, it's, it's a fun one. Like I said, it's, it's juicy. You can chew on this one for quite some time because you start thinking about, okay, so let's say my path of surrendering self-image continues to manifest itself throughout my journey. Let's just say it's my journey because that's the easiest way to describe it. And in doing so, I create ripples that affect other versions of myself. I'm a, like a single synapse within my mind that, that just happens to be helping train the rest of the synapses to work in the same way. And, and as a result of that, we collectively start to process the, uh, the trauma of the past that we collectively, and I mean collectively, not parts of us that were oppressed heal while the oppressors are still oppressors. Like part of the healing is recognizing that the oppressed and the oppressors are both suffering. And I know that that sucks. Like I I understand how that sounds, but oppressors are oppressors because they're suffering, because they lack, because it's driving them insane. That's why they can oppress another human being and not feel that empathy is because they've been driven insane. That's what that is. And unless we can feel for that mentality, we can't help them heal, right? So a part of this is letting go of our borders, of letting go of our ideas that different cultures are somehow different cultures, that different skin colors make a difference at all, that the, our geographic origin has any impact on the fact that we are all people of the land, that we are all the land in itself. So when we get past that, then we have a new moment. 
And at that point, when there's enough of us or enough of me or enough of you or enough of the listener recognizing where the hole and division isn't there, the past becomes different to us. Suddenly we're looking back at it, not as a, a trail of blood, but a trail of healing, a trail of lessons, a trail of insights that brought us all together. And I wonder if that changes our path forward, just our different perception of what we've come from. Your thoughts? Yeah. So I just had a thought. It's the idea of if a tree falls in the forest, nobody hears it. Did it make a sound? So if we have this idea, like even, even now for me, like I rarely think back to the past very often. I'm just where I'm at in the moment, more or less, most of the time. And so if we stop clinging so much to the past, like, could it be that it didn't really exist if we stop bringing it with us into every single moment and all, all of a sudden, like it isn't as much of a thing and people get caught up in wanting to look back at history and being like, oh, if we don't study history, like history will repeat itself. And is it, could it be almost the opposite that as we keep looking back at history, it continues to repeat itself because we keep looking back at it. And so, yeah, I was just, that hit me that I was like, fuck, what if, what if we stopped even remembering the past or, or defining it so much? Is it, would we collectively like be more in the moment and see things for what they are now with more clarity without the veil of the relative perception of now versus then versus versus future and just see it for what it is and be like, oh, fuck, there's some stuff that could be changed here. And it's not because we're looking back at the past. It's because it's right in front of us in this moment. We're like, you don't need the past to see things for what they are now and see opportunities to make change. So could it be that us clinging to the past and constantly looking back at it, be veiling us from seeing things clearly right now? Right. Because what happens if you do nothing but study the words of history's victors, you learn to think like them. That's very much what's happened. That's a really good point. The more we think of ourselves as the product of human history, the more human we are. Right. But what's interesting is that when you go back farther to tribal society or, or even like ancient Greece, let's just say their stories were myths. They were stories. They didn't actually involve historical figures. Right. They, they involved characters who were like mythological characters. And so it was almost harder for us to relate to them, but we could still get the lessons from those stories. Right. As opposed to going somebody just like you did this in the past and therefore you will probably do the same thing. And that just immediately we're just like, oh, oh, that's what I am. And then think about it. Like the world is absolutely a reflection of what we have dictated is human nature. But what would happen if we stopped defining ourselves as human? What if we stopped defining ourselves according to that nature? What if we stopped identifying with the mentality that we're in and assuming it's the only one, right? Because the mentality that we're in is insanity. Yeah. I mean, even that the statement of like, oh, that's just the way things are, or, you know, that's how people are. This is how it is. Like, this is the way this is, this is how things are going. This is, this is it. It's like, as we define that, it's like we get stuck in it and then we become stagnant. And it's because we are constantly looking back on how things have been. And we've seen things that, you know, haven't worked. For example, talking about in the U S like 
the idea of, of capitalism. Like a lot of people look back and they're like, oh, you know, all those all those communist societies didn't work because they got a dictator. And it's like, just because that didn't work out in that way. And this, according to you, is working out doesn't mean that it's necessarily the best way. Maybe there's like some way to combine them a little bit or, or let go of the rigidity that we have now that it has to be like this way or that way or this way. It's like, maybe there's other options when we stop looking back at the past and see things for what they are and see, and we're able to move fluidly with things. And that it goes back to the same with identity, like self-identity and universal identity and nationalist identity is when we stop looking back at the past, you see that there are infinite opportunities to be anything. You don't have to define yourself going back to the ego versus alter ego. When you let go of past ideas of yourself, you no longer have that defined idea of yourself. And then you have the opportunity to be anything and you're in the flow of reality as opposed to when you're caught looking back at, oh, what did I do here? Or, oh, how does this person think of me based on everything I've done in the past? You're stuck. And it's the same thing with the collective. As we look back and define things based on how they've always been, we won't be able to see with clarity the opportunities to change and flow and move with things in the moment. And we won't be able to see all the fucked up shit that's going on right now because we're so caught up in narratives based on the past rooted in how things have always been and how things didn't work out back then. So this is just how they are and this is how they're going to be and blah, 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 blah. And it's like, we can see that in a couple hundred years, this is all going to come crumbling down, but then it goes back to the idea of themselves as something separate and they don't see that they're going to be here in a few hundred years. So they don't really care. And so as we, you know, stop defining things as a collective based on the past and, and looking back at that, maybe we'll have more clarity to be able to align back with the flow of reality here and now. And that's a very good point. Cause it's interesting. Cause when you talk to somebody about the karmic cycle or being trapped within the karmic cycle, what they're ultimately working their way towards, or at least the common belief about what the whole point of it is, is, is to cycle yourself to a point where you you're God. That's it. It's over. There's no more cycle of, of birth and death anymore. There's nothing left to learn. You are one and everything. What I think is, is interesting is that as long as we're focused on ourselves being individual and the ego, that is the karmic cycle because we're separate. So we're always under the influence of the reality that we perceive to be separate from ourselves. And so that karmic cycle continues on and on and on. And then we start to recognize, oh, I am the karmic cycle. It's all me. And we break the cycle and all of a sudden now we, we can choose a different direction. And if that's true individually, then it's true individually as the collective as well. And we're in the process of that. We're coming to the point collectively where we can take accountability as the whole, stop the cycle and start a new one, right? Wipe the slate clean and just take responsibility for it because that's really it. It's just like we were saying with Nick, like, the, the reality we experience is a direct reflection of our level of, of faith in ourself and accountability and awareness. That's our experience. But when we are collectively aware that we are the experience, who knows what's possible? Amen. 
who knows? Yeah. No, I think what you're saying about the karmic cycle, because that's something I, I don't have a ton of experience looking at, but it's like, as long as you're caught up in believing that the end of that cycle is God, but like that you are something within that cycle, you're never going to get there until you let go of being in that cycle, which is something that's separate from anything, having its own individual cycle. So it's like, you have to relinquish the idea of even having a cycle. And then it's like, oh shit, I'm God right now. I am what is now when I let go of all the beliefs of, you know, going through cycles or being this narrative of something that's separate from anything. And that's what all those people who get caught up in like karmic cycles and, you know, the soul contracts and the past karma and all that stuff, like they're all caught up in narratives, in belief systems, in thoughts about the fact and and believing that they are something that exists is something separate from anything and that they're believing in their identity. Like even if they're not necessarily religious, they're very much caught up in a specific divisive religious belief, even if it's just the idea of themselves at the end of the day. Yeah, absolutely. And it's insidious. Like it's well-meaning. Don't get me wrong. Like when you're going through this process, it's nice to have a bit of structure to go, oh, there's a, there's a path I can follow and, and, you know, I can elevate myself and all that. And that, that works to a certain degree, but eventually that becomes a trap in itself, right? Because there is no elevation. There's nowhere to go. It's just depth and being. That's really all it's about. I had somebody the other day um, argue with me that, oh yeah, okay, everything is one, but there are seven stages to consciousness. There are seven levels that we have to go through. To, it's like, it's all just one. It's, it's, it's just you. Like it's all it is. Like you can break it into thousand levels. You can break it into two levels. You can break it into as many as you'd like, whatever's more comfortable for you really, but they don't exist. Like they're, they're not actually there. It's just you. However you want to deal with that, however you can cope with that is on you. And that's the thing is that most of our structures, most of our religious beliefs, most of our concepts and metaphysics and all that, they're just coping mechanisms because we don't want to be accountable as reality. And that's all it is. It's like, there's got to be a path. I'm not there yet. It's like, well, why not? Because well, I don't want to be. And that's, that's what it is. I just don't want to be accountable for everything. Because again, as we said with Nick, we have this tendency to mistake responsibility for blame. We have this tendency to look back at things we perceive to be mistakes and feel sorry for them, despite the fact that they are informing our new insight. And that's the point, right? We just got to change that mentality in ourselves and in ourselves is everything, right? So it's just a matter of, of time and attention and depth, influence, sensitivity, empathy, courage, all of it. But they're all just words. They're all just words for what you do here and now. That's it. Everything else is just fun to talk about. Very much like these community topics. And on that note, I think we're going to wrap this one up here because if we don't, I'm going to start getting into artificial intelligence and time travel. I've got a bunch of things I want to talk about, but uh, we're going to wrap this up here unless you have anything else you'd like to add, Andrew. Uh, no, I think just on that last point with fault and responsibility, people, and we talked about this in the last episode, people get caught up in thinking, oh, it's not my fault. So therefore it's not my responsibility. But it's very much not the case. Just because it isn't your fault doesn't mean it's not your responsibility. And you are always responsible for your state of being in the moment, not anyone else's responsibility, quite frankly, or, or anything outside of yourself. Like it comes down to you. And the more you can, more clearly you can recognize that, the more freedom 
you'll experience, the more empowered you'll feel to to do and and be anything. Because thinking that as much as it can seem like it's helpful to you to think that, oh, this isn't my responsibility. It's someone else's responsibility. It's incredibly disempowering. But as you begin taking more and more responsibility for your reality specifically, you're, you'll be significantly more empowered to keep moving forward. And you'll build that faith in yourself and you'll, you'll build that confidence to do or, or be anything in, in, in any moment and will let go of all those defined aspects of yourself based on you know ego, based on the past, based on what you believe to be the karma that you've experienced that has dictated everything you, you're experiencing now. As you let go of all of that, take responsibility for your experience right now, you're free and, and you're significantly more empowered to do and be anything that you have ever wanted to be. <laughs> Because it's all available now. In fact, you can be everything because you are. And on that note, we're going to end the episode. This has been so much fun. I just want to remind the listener that if you would like to participate in the vote for next week's topics, just join us on Discord or Patreon. So that way we can know what you'd like us to talk about. So thank you so much for joining us. We will see you next week for community topics number two. Bye, everyone.